everybody at all of our life churches and our network churches. I want to tell you about a brand new series starting three weeks from this weekend called Friending. It's the biggest series we're going to do this fall and one of the most important series we do all year long. Why? Because you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It's almost impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. The Bible is full of incredible advice about choosing our friends, about developing friendships. You may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. It all starts in three weeks, a brand new series called Friending. Today, let's go to week number three of the series, Elisha. A widow about to lose her sons to a debtor was desperate for the prophet's help. Her last possession was a jar of olive oil. Elisha told her to collect as many jars as she could. Then God did more than she could imagine. Get ready to be blessed as we see God's ridiculous provision. Well, it's awesome to have all of you with us today at all of our life churches. Those of you on the other side of computers in coffee shops or hotel rooms or in your houses around the world at Church Online, thank you for being a part of our family. And of course, our extended family and uh, hundreds of network churches, we love you all. And we're very, very honored to partner with you. Today, we're in the third week of a message series on Elisha. If you were here the first week, we burned some plows. Last week, we were digging ditches. Today, we're going to grab some jars. Next week, we're going to grab our edge back as we look at an axe head that actually fell into a body of water. And by the power of God, he used Elisha to get the edge back. We're going to apply it uh, metaphorically into our lives. Uh, for those of you that maybe have lost your spiritual edge, there was a time when you were closer to God than you are today. There was a time when the fire burned brighter. I believe next week we'll speak to you in a very, very strong way. Today, though, I hope this message ministers to everybody, but especially, I believe, it'll speak to those of you who feel overwhelmed. If you feel like there's too much going on, like you're in need right now, if you feel like you don't have enough energy, maybe enough time, some of you may even feel like you're really low on faith, I'm praying that this message would build your faith and minister to you in your time of need. In fact, just this last week, I had three different conversations that just, it reminded me of how common this type of pain can be. I, I was talking to a, uh, a guy who just looked desperate um, as he explained to me his financial dilemma, and he, he just said, I am so far in a financial hole. He said, I, I can never, ever dig myself out of it. And you could just feel the pain and see it in this guy's eyes uh, because of the financial pressure that he was experiencing. Then I talked to a single mom who works a full-time job, and she cleans two homes on the side just trying to make ends meet for her and her three children. And she said, Craig, there's just too much. I just, I don't have any help. I can't raise these kids. I don't know how I can possibly continue to do all this and to make it. Then the third conversation just ripped my heart out. There's a 14-year-old boy, and he was just, he was in agony because his mom and dad are divorcing, and you could tell there was kind of this tension, which side are you going to choose? Are you on her side or his side? And he looked up to me, and he just said, Pastor Craig, the emotional stress is simply too much for me to handle. If you find yourself today um, on empty, 
you feel like there's just too much in one area of life or another, it's my prayer that God would use this story to minister to you in a deep and a life-changing way. So let's dive into our text. We're going to start with two verses just to set the context, and uh, then we'll, we'll read some more and, uh, and let God speak to us. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, um, here's how the story starts. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. Now, let's talk about these two verses because there's actually a lot in them. The first thing you'll notice is that we don't know this poor widow's name. We don't know who she is. Uh, according to Jewish tradition, many believe that she was actually the wife of the prophet Obadiah. And if this were the case, then it would be no wonder that she's in financial need because Obadiah was known for protecting and providing for 50 other prophets. And so if indeed it was uh, Obadiah's wife, he would have taken all the resources he had to meet the needs of other prophets. And quite honestly, it would not be uncommon at all for a prophet's family to be financially struggling because they would spend the majority of their lives on the run, trying to survive, and so it was very difficult to make ends meet. So if you can picture this, we've got now a widow. We're going to guess somewhere maybe in her early 30s, maybe mid-30s. She's just lost her husband. She's got no chance at meaningful employment because in this culture, women were unemployable unless they would take the job that no woman would want to take, right? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I'm going to just leave it there. If you don't know what I'm saying, ask somebody later. And so she's in a really, really devastating place. She's lost her husband, and now the creditor is coming after her two sons because the law said if you can't pay your debts, they can take your sons as slaves, and they will be slaves until they're released in the year of Jubilee. So it doesn't get any worse than this. Humanly speaking, she has no hope whatsoever. She's lost her husband, she can't pay her bills, and now she's going to lose her son. It doesn't get any worse than this. And that's something I always try to remember when I face what I call life's smaller problems. It's amazing how easy I can get all riled up about things that are really not a big deal, and yet it happens all the time. For example, if you get really, really riled up because the GPS on your iPhone took you to the wrong place again, okay, that's an entry-level problem, right? It's an entry-level problem. If you're at the restaurant and you're just devastated because they put too much goat cheese on your salad. I told you, I don't want a lot of goat cheese on my salad. That is an entry-level problem, right? If you're really, really devastated because you only got seven likes on your most recent selfie on Instagram. <laughs> and no one said, hashtag, you're so beautiful, I can't hardly stand it. And you're wondering what I do wrong. Was it the wrong side? Should I done this side? Maybe I should have done a mirror shot, you know. 
do I look okay in my new dress? Or maybe it should have been a duck face. Okay, those are entry-level problems, okay? The reality is many of you today, you don't have entry-level problems. You got some graduate-level problems going on right now. Your marriage is barely hanging on and you don't know if you're gonna make it. Someone that you love just betrayed you and lied to you and what you thought you had, you don't even know what it is anymore. You've got a child that may be going the wrong way and you're mature enough to know if you keep going down that road, you're gonna end up in a place you don't ever wanna be and you're in agony because you're watching someone you love make decisions that are gonna hurt them. Some of you, you may be in a financial situation where you don't know how you're ever gonna get out of it and there is such stress, you just feel strangled in, in that kind of financial agony. Others of you, it may be a health issue. You went to the doctor or someone you love that did and if there's not a miracle from God, you don't know what's gonna happen and you may end up experiencing the very thing you wish never would happen. You've got a graduate level problem. If you're in significant need today, I wanna give to you the key thought for this message that I believe God is going to drive into our spirits to build our faith. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down and I hope it blesses you as it blesses me. When you don't have what you really want, you will discover that God is what you really need. Let me say that again because this is really important. When you don't have what you really want, you will discover that our good God is what you really need. Let's unpack this story and let this point come to life to us. This woman is in significant need and she expresses her need to the prophet and what does the prophet do? Let me first tell you what he doesn't do. What he doesn't do is say, oh man, that's a bad problem. Stinks to be you, right? He doesn't blow her off. He doesn't say, uh, oh, that's bad. I'll be thinking about you. It's always funny to me when people say that. Like, if I'm hurting, don't tell me you'll be thinking about me. Like, what are you doing? Thinking about you. Don't think about me. Pray for me. Do something significant. And, and that's exactly what he does. He makes himself available to her. And you see this in verse 2 of 2 Kings 4. Elisha replied to her, and what did he say? Everybody, all of our churches, let's say it aloud. He said these five words. He said, how can I help you? You want to make a difference in this world. You want to be filled with joy. You start every day and say, God, I am available as your divine representative. Anytime there is a need, even if I can't directly meet the need, I want to be a conduit to minister to this person. And when someone at the office says, I've got a problem, or I've got migraine headaches, or my husband is driving me crazy, or my kid is going off the deep end, what you say is, how can I help and you make yourself available just like Christ would. Then he says to her something that is very profound. He respects her dignity and says, tell me, what do you have in your house? In other words, he doesn't say, I'm here with all the answers, but he respects her dignity and says, let's start with what you have and let God meet your need through what you have. She replies, your servant has what? Everybody help me out. She says, your servant has nothing there at all. Isn't it interesting that when you're hurting and when you're lacking, 
All you can see is what you don't have, and you miss all the blessings that you do have. This is going to speak to somebody, because when we get down, and we're depressed, and we're hurting, we're just consumed with what we don't have. I don't have enough money, so I can never be happy. I don't have a spouse, so I can't really have a meaningful life just yet. I've heard people say, my house isn't nice enough, so we can't host a life group. Because everybody knows the Spirit of God cannot move unless it moves on top of granite kitchen countertops. Right? I, 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 I don't have what I want, so life doesn't really matter. I've known ladies, never one personally, but maybe you've known one who walks into a closet with clothes everywhere. And what do they do? They touch all of them and then they say, help me out. I have nothing to wear. You could clothe an African village with what you have, but yet you say, I've got nothing to wear. All you're focused on is what you don't have. Now, if you missed church last week, if you miss a week, you miss a lot. And last week I talked about my good friend, my tennis partner, Rodney, and Rodney didn't have a wife. That's a problem because Rodney's a good man and Rodney should have had a wife. So I told Rodney nine weeks ago now, I said, Rodney, you've got eight weeks to do an assignment that we agreed upon to take a step of faith toward what could help you to have a wife. And if you don't, you're going to be a sermon illustration on week number two of Elisha. Some of you are upset about this. You need to know he had eight weeks and the terms were clear in this deal. And so Rodney became a sermon illustration last week, and then I just put out a plea. If there are any women that want to help Rodney dig a ditch and maybe something good could happen, you just let me know. Well, I had no idea how many women had shovels and were ready to dig. So now Rodney's working through his prospects, and I don't have anybody to play tennis with anymore. I don't have anybody to play tennis with anymore. It's funny how when you're in need, all you can focus on is what I don't have. And this is exactly where this poor woman was. She lost everything, and all she could see was her lack. I asked the question, what do you do when you don't have much? If you're taking notes, write this down. God is going to speak to someone here and tell you to stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. That wasn't bad, and this place is quiet. I'm going to say it again because you might have missed a place to show a little love, and I always preach better when there's love in the house, all right? God is going to speak to you and tell you to stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. And everybody said, I can do that with God's help. 2 Kings 4.2 She says this. He says, what do you have in your house? She says, your servant has nothing there at all except what? All of our churches say it aloud. She said, except a small jar of olive oil. I don't have anything there at all. Oh, yeah, except this one little thing. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. You may say, what good is a small jar of olive oil? Olive oil was actually incredibly valuable because it was very rare and had tons of important uses. Oil was used in cooking, which is a good thing. It was used to help lamps burn, which is a good thing. It was used as moisturizer because you couldn't go to Bath and Body Works and get some stuff to squirt on your face. It was used to help keep leather pliable. It was used to keep iron from rusting. It was used as an offering 
to God. It was used to help anoint people in religious services. It was very valuable, but she didn't have a lot. She only had a little. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who specializes in doing a lot with a little. And this is going to speak to somebody because we serve a God who is absolutely capable of doing a lot with a little. All through Scripture, you'll see it again and again. Back in the, in the New Testament, whenever Jesus had taught to thousands of people, and at the end of the lesson, everybody's hungry, and the disciple says, who's going to feed these thousands of people? And everybody goes, I don't have any food. And a little boy came up and could have said, I don't have a lot, but I do have a little. Tony's excited. I don't have a lot, but I do have a little. And he took what he had and said, all I have is five loaves and two fishes. And in the hands of the Son of God, a little bit became a lot. And they fed the thousands and even had 12 basketfuls left over because we serve a God who can do a lot with a little. In the Old Testament, when a whole army was afraid of the Philistines because of one man, Goliath, who stood them down, guess who God used? A little shepherd boy with a little bit of faith and a little stone who looked at the giant and said, who are you to come against the armies of my living God? Everyone else thinks you're too big to beat. I think you're too big to miss. Somebody duck. I'm taking this guy down. And God used a little boy with a little faith and a little stone to take the big giant down. And in the New Testament, Scripture is really clear. Jesus said if you just have a little bit of faith, not a lot. Some of you say I'm low on faith and all you have is a little. We serve a God who can do a lot with a little. If you just have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and you will have what you ask for if you just have a little bit of faith. We serve a God who can do a lot with a little. And Elisha says, what do you have in your house? God asked Moses one time, what do you have in your hand? What's in your house? What's in your hand? Notice God never said, what do you want? or what do you need, but what do you have? Let's stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have because God has given you everything you need to do everything he wants you to do. And I learned this principle so clearly in the early years of our church when what I wanted was a bigger building because we started in a two-car garage and outgrew it and then in an elementary school cafeteria and then in a 7,000-square-foot bicycle factory, and after we emptied our bank accounts and gave everything we could, we finally built a little 600-seat auditorium, which we thought would last us for maybe 10 years. Well, a few months later, it was full three times and then four times, and I was devastated. God, why won't you give us what we need? And God showed me very clearly that he did give us what we needed, and I found the principle to be very true. So many people say, we cannot because we don't. We can't because we don't. And I believe a person with faith says we can because we don't. Because the limitations are often insight that gives us innovation. If we had what we needed, God wouldn't have been able to show us what we needed to see. And that's exactly what God did. Suddenly, we were able to go from four to five services 
to our knowledge, it was the first church in America that had done that because churches didn't do that then. Then to six, then to seven, now to eight at, at one location. Then we were able to go to multiple locations, keep the building smaller, the cost down, and reach way more people. I am so thankful to my God that he taught us to do a lot with a little instead of giving me what I wanted. I don't know how this will speak to you, but some of you, you're going to look at what you have and say, I wish I had something else so I could do something more significant. And God's going to say, no, no, no. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. But I'm not a good upfront person. I'm not that charismatic. and you know, I'm not a good upfront person. I'm good behind the scenes, but I'm not that good up front. Jesus said, it's the behind the scenes people that are the most important. Jesus said, the servant is the greatest of all. So stop wanting something else and do the important assignment God has given you to do. There may be a guy in here who says, man, I, 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 I can't, I'm not a good provider. I don't make a six-figure income. I wish I did. And God would say to you, hey, you're home six nights a week with your children. That's important. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Gentlemen, the most important thing you do may not be what you do, but who you raise. And when you're a man of God to your children, that is huge success. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. But I don't make enough money to attract a good wife, and I don't have the kind of car that the women are going to want. I can't buy the kind of clothes that the women are going to want. Listen, you find a woman that loves Jesus and you lay down your life to serve her, you do not need material things to see the happiest woman blessed through and through. And a woman over here just said amen. Maybe we can get Rodney and some something going on. Who knows what's going to happen. When we stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have, I pray this speaks to you. The second thought that we learn from this awesome story is this. We're going to offer God what we have and trust him to give us what we need. Fill in the blanks in your notes. Offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need. Watch this come true in 2 Kings 4, 3 through 7. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Week one, we burned the plows. Week two, we dug the ditches. Week three, we're collecting jars. Go get some empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Now, what's going on here? Go get a bunch of jars. All you have is a little bit of oil. But if you'll trust God and pour out what you have, then put that jar aside, God will refill your jar and give you what you need, and you can keep on pouring. Some of you may not know this. I used to be a magician when I was a kid. That's very true. I did birthday parties with doves and bunny rabbits when I was 14 or 15 years old. And I had a little magic trick where you could pour the milk out and it would keep on pouring. The only thing is, this wasn't a magic trick. This was a ridiculous request by a God who was going to provide when she had the faith to offer what she had, God would give her what she needed. And that's exactly what happened in verse 5. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. Then they brought the jars to her, and as they kept bringing on jars, what did she do? The Bible says she kept pouring. 
When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. As long as there was an empty jar, God would fill it. But when there were no more jars, the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, here's the good news, go sell the oil and pay your debts. Your debt has been paid for. You and your sons can live on what is left. When she offered what little she had, God gave her everything she needed. As long as there was an empty jar, the oil kept flowing. This is a ridiculous request to ask her to empty out everything she has and to trust God, God to provide what she really needed. But that is how our God works. When we show him our faith, we get to see his faithfulness. And this story has more personal implication for me and, and for our church than I could ever describe because in January of 2006, we made this exact kind of ridiculous faith decision that honestly changed the course of our church. You see, we did not have the buildings that we needed. We were turning people away and couldn't, we didn't have. We had a church full of young people who weren't financially blessed and our giving per person has always been way, way, way low uh, beyond, below the national average. But what we did have was a creative group of people that made really cool resources that churches around the world wanted to use. And so they were calling by the hundreds, can we buy this, can we buy this, can we buy the sermons, can we buy the videos, can we buy the transcripts, can we buy your student teaching, can you buy the innovative resources you use with technology, and at that time, that's what everybody did. It's a very wise thing to do. You sell what you have to other churches for a fair price. You take whatever money you make. You put it back into doing more good. And it's a very fair thing. The problem is God put a crazy idea on our heart that hadn't been done and has never been repeated to this level in the history of the global church. And that was to take everything we had and give it away. Give it away. Now, what you need to know... And you cannot miss the power of this. In 2006, we were paycheck to paycheck. We did not have any extra resources. My biggest fear was if we started to give that we could not afford to continue. But here's what we did. We took everything we had and started to pour it. You say, we'll give it, and we'll give it all the sermons, all the videos, all the transcripts, all the things. I had no idea that with a matter of years, we would be able to give away tens of millions of transcripts, hundreds of thousands of videos that are played at other churches, graphics last year alone to over 110,000 different churches downloaded free resources from countries around the world. We built the church online platform, which reaches 130, 140,000 people a year, but no other church could build it. They didn't have the people, nor could they afford it. So guess what we did? We poured the oil out, and we've given it now to tens of thousands of churches that use that absolutely free of charge, then came along the Bible app, and we've given it and given it and given it. Guess what we have now? Now we have the ability to continue to give 
and to build the buildings and not to borrow like we used to, but to pay cash for it. Because when we offered what we had, God gave us what we needed. Somebody better get excited because that is a miraculous provision story of a good God. And it started when we offered what we had. And it took more faith because we didn't have enough. And I don't know how that will speak to you, but at some point, when you take what you have and stop waiting for what you want, but you offer what, what you have, God will do something special. And he said, go get a bunch of jars. Go get a bunch of jars. Notice he didn't say what color. He didn't say what size. He didn't say what shape. What did he say? The only requirement is that the jars must be what? Empty. It could have been any kind of jar. It could have been a milk jug. could have been a peanut butter jar. It could have been a butter tub because God can use any shape, size, or color. He just needs it to be empty. How does this apply to you? 2 Corinthians 4, 7 in the New Testament says this. It says, but we have this treasure, which is Christ, in what? In jars of clay. What is, what is that referring to? Do you know what that is? That's our bodies. That's what we are. We're clay pots. We, we, are, we, are, we are dirt houses. That's what we are. We have this treasure in jars of clay. What is God looking for? God is looking for a few empty jars. When we empty ourselves of self, when we empty ourselves of pride, when we empty ourselves of greed, when we empty ourselves of our own agendas and come to God totally empty, then he fills us with oil, which has always been a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly you realize when you don't have outwardly what you wanted, it is God that you truly needed. And suddenly he is enough. He is sufficient in every single way. You see, when you are weak, he is your strength. When you're hurting, he is your comforter. When you're lost, he is your guide. When you're hungry, he is the bread of life which nourishes you. When you are thirsty, he is living water. When your life is unstable, he is the rock that does not move. When you realize, I do not have what I wanted, then suddenly you discover he is exactly what you needed. And someone came in today, and you are empty and you are lacking, and you're going to look to him, and he is going to become everything that you need. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Offer God what you have and trust God to give you what you need. Because when you don't have what you really want, you will discover that our good God is what you really needed. Father, speak to us today. Pour out your spirit. Build our faith. We pray that we would be different in your presence. As you pray today at all of our different churches, those of you that are hurting, those of you that are without, those of you that are on empty, those of you that are overwhelmed, I believe that God wants to reveal himself to you in a deeper and more intimate way than maybe you've ever known him before. At all of our different churches, those of you who would say, I do need prayer today, I've got a burden, I've got a challenge, I'm hurting, I'm, I'm empty. Craig, would you pray for me? I would be very honored to pray for you. Would you lift up your hands right now? All of our different churches, just lift them up. There's, there's more of you than that, just lift them up. And all of our churches, and just say, yes, God, you, you know my need. There are hands all over the place. God, I pray for each person indicating um, they need even more of you. 
God, I thank you that you know the intimate details of every person's life. God, I thank you that you are good and that you are here. And God, that when we look to you, you may not give us what we want, but God, you always provide what we need. I pray, God, that in this moment that your Holy Spirit would fill these empty vessels. God, that your presence would be exactly what we need. That you would give us a supernatural peace that goes beyond our human ability to understand. God, that you would be our divine comforter. That you would be our strength. That God, you would be the lifter of our heads. You would be our provider. God, I pray that you would build our faith to offer you, God, what we have and trust you, God, to give us what we need. Build our faith, God, as we give first to you, as we show you our faith. God, we get to experience your faithfulness. As you keep praying today, nobody looking around, uh, I want you just to pay careful attention right now because the, um, the imagery in this story is, is it, it matters to every single one of us. I want you to think about this widow. Her story is your story, her story is my story. She had a debt that was impossible for her to repay. All of us have a debt that we simply cannot repay. It's called a sin debt. All of us, we've sinned against a holy God and we do not have the spiritual equity to make it right. That's why the gospel is what every person on earth needs to experience. The gospel means good news. Some would say it's too good to be true. I'd tell you it's too good not to be true. That our good God, in his love and mercy, while we were still sinners, sent Jesus, the sinless son of God, who was born of a virgin and lived a perfect life, gave his life on the cross, becoming sin for us, died and rose again on the third day. So anyone who calls on his name would be saved. Anyone includes every single one of you. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, how bad you've been, what do you do today? Just empty your life. Just give it over to him. Say, I give you my hurts. I give you my failures. I confess my sins to you. I empty myself of me and let him fill you with him. When you call on him, he will hear your prayer. He will make you new. He will forgive every sin that you've ever committed. You'll be filled with his spirit and your life will never be the same. Let me just say it bluntly. That's why many of you are here and you know it. All of our different churches, those of you who would say, yes, I'm at the end of my rope. Listen, when you don't have what you want, you're going to find that Christ is all you need. Today, by faith, call on him. Say, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. Today, I give my life to you. If that's your prayer, all of our different churches say, yes, I give my life to you. Lift your hands right, right now, all over the place. Lift them up and say, yes. That's my prayer. Lift them high. Let me just find you. Nobody else looking around here in the middle section. Both of you back here in this section as well. Way back there in the back, God bless you guys. Over here on this side, right over here, up right here as well. God bless you. Way back here toward the back. Church online, you click right below me. Way over here on this side. I want to just see you eye to eye. I want to acknowledge and, and, and bless you right back here as well. Others today who say, me too. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. Today I give my life to you. Fill me with your spirit here in this middle section. Bless you. Others today who say yes. 
Would you pray with those around you? Everybody pray aloud. Pray, Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Jesus, forgive me. Change me. Make me new. I believe you died for me, and you rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, all of our locations, would you worship big? Thank God. Welcome those born into his family.